welcome to Deep Thought Shallow Plots. My name is Erica, and I really like to watch horror movies. My name is Katie, and I really like to overanalyze things. What are we <laughs> overanalyzing today? Today we are overanalyzing uh, the universal classic 1931's Dracula. The Bela Lugosi Dracula. The Dracula, um, and directed by Todd Browning. And um, I'm considering this part of our summer series. Absolutely. Because as far as I'm concerned, yeah. Yeah. Hot Drek Summer. <laughs> Hot Drek Summer. Also, weird kind of like getting ourselves in the mood, getting ready for the, what's the film called? Last Voyage of the Demeter. The Demeter? Yeah. Yes. I'm so hyped for it. Right. Because you, you've you mentioned this even before it was even going, we knew it was going to be a movie, that that is your favorite part of the book. The only part of the book that actually like terrified me when I was Scared reading you? it. Yeah. yeah. When this book, when the book, the original Dracula novel mm-hmm. came out it was actually known by some people for like being maybe too scary mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like we love this book except for this one flaw which is that it is too frightening scary. Um, to a modern reader I don't think it's as scary because you kind of pick up on all the vampire things that's and you like so know interesting because it. it's the same with this movie yeah right it's like the movie like audiences were absolutely terrified you know there were like accounts of people fainting yeah you know? and now it's just like those rubber bats are adorable they're adorable <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, that was me with Dracula. I was like, this isn't really scary. I mean, there are the parts where it's like, oh, that's really racist and that's scary in a different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, ooh, the way they treat their mental patients, which also is scary in really this movie. Really scary, but, yeah. But the fucking, the last voyage of the Demeter, so, so fucking scary. good, so scary. So this is kind of like an episode in honor of that, you know, yeah. and that's coming out in the summer. Yeah. So this Perhaps is part around of the time that shows. this is airing. Pretty soon, yeah. 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 And I'm going to try yeah. really hard not to rant too much about what they've changed mm-hmm. from the novel to this movie version that we are talking about. But because a lot of them are dumb little stupid things that they changed that I'm like, why'd you do that? Like, why right. did they change the name of the Demeter to the Vesta? Yeah. What's up with that? Demeter is a way better name. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that in some of the research I've done might be able to shed some light yeah. on the, the decisions they made. Between, Some of them. Yeah. Between what's in the original novel yeah. and what makes it into this film. Yeah. Probably not the really petty things I have, like... Like, there's some other name changes, like Lucy Weston instead of Westenra, which is like, who cares? Who cares? You know, and like, where are all the trains? Where's our American uh, cowboy, Quincy Morris? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where's the paprika handle? <laughs> True fans of Dracula know the importance of the paprika handle. <laughs> right. Um, so... Thank you so much for that, because I think it, it is going to be really important that, like, when I was doing my research and the things that I wanted to kind of, like, learn more about and talk about for this episode, a lot of it, you know, I'd, like, look up stuff, and it would be really, really great analyses of, like, the book, yes. the novel. And I was like, I love this. However, the novel and this film are pretty different. Are some- pretty different and coming from two kind of different cultural places. And so, yeah. like, I I need the, the movie, right? And then yeah. and a lot of other things that were about the movie were about like all Dracula representation in yeah. film. And I was like, okay, this yeah. is important too. Cause like um I'm about to make the argument that Dracula as we know him is significantly because of Bella Lugosi's yeah. performance, right? Absolutely. So like this is important too, but like still like just getting yeah. a little information on the nineteen thirty one movie proved actually pretty challenging. And I do think I want to hear at the top for people who have like read the novel but not seen this movie, mm. there might be some things we talk about that will sound like confusing and weird and wrong. Like yeah. for me, watching it the whole time, I was like, "Okay, there's Jonathan Harker. He's going into the castle. He's, he's doing being this loser." And then it was like Renfield. And I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck? That's not Renfield. That's not Renfield. <laughs> you fools!" <laughs> yeah. So they like make that big change. They basically give 
Harker's role to Renfield, and then Harker plays more of a role of like for people who've read the novel, he's kind of more of an art where he's just sort of Mina's suitor mm-hmm. yeah. in the way that art kind of is. And he has a much smaller role. And then we don't get Lucy suitors. We don't nope. get Art or Quincy Morris. We barely get Lucy. We barely get Lucy. Yeah. Um, a lot of Lucy's role where she's like slowly being turned and stuff and yeah. her suitors are worried about her. That's given to Mina instead. And yeah. we don't really get Mina's role as much. No. And, and we do actually get one of Lucy's suitors. Dr. Seward, uh-huh, but yeah. he is significantly older, and <laughs> Mina's father. For some reason. <laughs> and it's just like, mm, that's a little weird. Uh, but most of the changes kind of make sense when it comes to, like, we need to condense the story down. Like, right. Let's yeah. get rid of a bunch of these ca- characters. Right. Let's make sure most of the story takes place in London instead of jumping from, like, Whitby to London to back to Transylvania, yeah. you know, like, get rid of just sort of all the extraneous stuff. Right, did all you, of the trains. So, did you already? Um, I wonder. Did you already know that the script that would become the script for this film was like really largely based off of a play yes. version? Okay, yeah, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Which was also a a big aspect. That play version and its script are were really heavily influenced by the fact that like the blatant ripoff that was Nosferatu, the blatant yeah. ripoff of Dracula. It was Nosferatu, yeah. came out in uh, what 1922, I want to say. Um, and Bram Stoker's widow was just like, whoa, copyright infringement, right? You know, or, or the the thing was, is that like there was no copyright of the story. Yeah. So she copyright like a version of the story that was like the play, the play. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Which is where Bella Lugosi first played Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. He started on the stage. Yeah. I did. I did notice that. He was always. I bet that was. He was always meant was to be. Incredible to see him up on that stage. I bet. Even he was so. great to watch on screen. He was great. Yeah. And just so handsome. Truly. Like, do we just want to start talking about Dracula as a character right yeah. now? Because I was like kind of thinking about it as I was watching this, like, man, I am so into Dracula right now. And I was just thinking just today, I was like, am I into Dracula or am I into Bella Lugosi? I, it is interesting because like, again, as a novel reader, a reader of the novel, it's like kind of surprising how much Dracula... Even though there is, like, a lot of eroticism in the novel. Yeah. He's very different. His descriptions of him are not, like, sexy hot in the way that we think of vampires being now and in the way that Bela Lugosi kind of is. Yeah. Even though he is also still kind of, like, an older aristocratic Yeah, in the novel, he's got, like, red eyes and fangs. Yeah. And um, does he have a widow's peak in the novel? I don't recall. I know his hair starts out gray. Oh, yeah, before yeah, yeah. It gets that's the dark. The hair. other thing, he starts out older. Yeah, and then gets younger after eating. And, like, kind of, like, capable of, like, fits of rage. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know? But, like, this Dracula, man, he's a cool customer. I, I, I find that interesting. <laughs> I was like, this Dracula, he just kind of doesn't, he doesn't feel as much of a physical threat as, like, the novel Dracula does. No. Like,. I mean, it's true in the book, too, that Dracula only gets killed when he's in, like, his coffin and, like, can't yeah, really yeah, yeah. move. So, like, that's still the same. But, like, he spends the whole movie kind of just talking to yeah. people. He has such a larger talking role, which was really cool, and I liked it. Yeah. But, like, he's never really a physical threat. No. He's still a threat, though. And, yeah. like, and he is, like, overpowering in many other ways yeah. than physically. Yeah. It's yeah. more of a charismatic sort of Very overpowering. Much. Yeah. And, like, we actually get to see him 
try to uh, like hypnotize Van Helsing in this really good scene where yes. there's this big kind of power play between them and they yes. have a lot of great dialogue together which does not happen in so, the book. this is something that's so like to me is one of like the funnier things when you watch this movie is like there's so many close-ups on Bella Lugosi's face and there's just the spotlight like on his eyes. Oh yes. And like we can just see his eyes right and like that happens so many times in like different ways and so like to me what I was thinking is like oh this is kind of like like showing Dracula like sort of dazzling mm. or like yeah um what like ensorceling yeah, whatever yeah. like compelling. you know compelling his like victims you know yeah. or attempting to yeah. yeah 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 but I'm not even sure if it always was that sometimes it was like like one of my favorite ones actually is that really great scene we'll talk more about Dracula and Renfield's very particular relationship mm-hmm, in this yeah. movie I think yeah. but one of those good shots of his eyes is um when Dracula is watching Renfield like suck the blood off his finger after uh-huh. he gets a paper cut oh, he's so into and it and it's yeah. like it's like he's just yeah it's like more like a gaze of desire very much and yeah. then like he's watching him drink wine and was like oh no I don't drink wine and it's just like they're like gay cruising each other kind like of, it's yeah. very much totally. but I also think in the in the novel there is a lot of mention of his red eyes and yeah. sometimes you just see eyes in the darkness and mm. things like that where like his eyes are always very prominent mm-hmm. and there's a really great scene where Jonathan tries to kill Dracula in the castle and like goes to hit him with a shovel when mm-hmm. he's in his coffin oh. but like his eyes sort of shoot open mm. and like make this shovel bounce off just mm. by the power of his eyes so like he's known for having very powerful eyes mm-hmm. lots of power in those eyes so yeah. there is that that compelling sort of thing and like when he tries to do it with Van Helsing and Van Helsing is sort of struggling against it in this way that's really cool oh yeah he's like walking towards him a little and then he's like no and then he pulls out his cross he has (laughs) his cross and it's like oh yes now he's okay well done it's uh, really good. Yeah, but Dracula, yeah, in this this film version, he's just like, he's such a nice gentleman. Yeah. And honestly, a couple of the things he says are like, that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he says that, like, he I think he calls blood, like, blood is life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, yeah, it is. You yeah, know, that's true. And he does really seem to see beauty in, like, dark things, mm-hmm. you know, children of the night, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that's, some of that is taken from the novel, from, like, yeah. the first scenes when he's with Jonathan at the castle. But... He, his speaking role gets significantly diminished by the time that they leave the castle and he's like in London and stuff. Yeah. Whereas it gets, it grows even larger in oh, the yeah. movie. Yeah. He also, he tells Mina, I don't remember under what circumstances, but he tells Mina that there are far worse things awaiting man than death. Yeah. And I was like, that's a really wise thing to say, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, and I also like just very personally, like very much agree, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but to, I was wondering about that, like that line to you, is that like kind of something a little like a self-awareness line that he's just like, I'm theoretically immortal. And it's like, not as great as you think it is, you know? Mm-hmm. That's a good question because um, as we will learn later in my literary corner, mm-hmm. this is after a turn that happens in vampire lore where we start to see the sympathetic vampire mm-hmm. who is aware of his you know, situation as being right, like yeah. a curse, a temptation that he must fight against. Right. So I think there could be something in that. But it also could be a very veiled threat that he's doing. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he does a lot of veiled threats. Yeah, too. like I'll show you something worse than death. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That also saw it that way. One of my favorite yeah. threats that he has, actually, <laughs> it's not really a threat, but just the part where he tells Van Helsing to go back to his own country. <laughs> and I'm like, you're not in your own country either, Dracula. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because do we, in the novel, in, in the novel, do we know where Van Helsing is from? Uh, he's from, fuck. 
I should know. He's like from Amsterdam or something. He's like, oh, okay. He's something. Okay. He's Dutch, maybe. maybe. Dutch, maybe. Yeah. I don't remember exactly off the top of my head. Yeah. But he's just like, Dracula is just like, he's such a gentleman. Yeah. You know, and he does really seem to have all this knowledge of like how to to move in like high society yeah. and higher social circles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe that's because he is a literal count. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just really curious after watching this movie. I was like, what is a count? That's true. I, I genuinely don't, don't know. I know it's yeah, it's a part of the nobility, but there's so many But how? Yeah. yeah there's like dukes, there's counts, yeah. there's Nights. There's just all sorts of different titles that you can have Th- that you get like the so arbitrarily. Yeah. yeah. So um, I found this really great article mm-hmm. uh, by the author's name is Greta Hegenis. Uh, so a ti- like a count, the count itself um, comes from the word county, which that tracks. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a nobility title uh, that actually it varies slightly. Like its meaning varies slightly depending on like which country you're in and when. Right, right you know. that makes sense because I would wonder about the difference between a Transylvanian count versus right. an English count or like an Italian count. Yeah. Uh, so you're you probably talking about somebody who falls like kind of in the middle of the social mm-hmm. hierarchy. Like they're not a king or a queen, right? But they're not like a serf or a commoner either. Right. You know? Yeah, they're in that middle spot. So depending on when and where we're talking about, uh, an individual can become a count based off of family lineage, like land, you know, mm-hmm. or county. Uh, that's usually like just passed on. The right. land is passed on like with the title of count. Yeah. You know, um, makes sense. Probably patrilineally, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in Britain today, actually, they don't have counts. That's what an earl is. Oh, I learned that. The yeah, I didn't Earl know of Grantham. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is, is passed from one generation to the next. It's like yeah, totally yeah. Um, in Germany. It's, as early as like the 10th century it's hereditary you mm-hmm. know yeah something you you're born into or you know um inherit yeah um in italy it's a little bit more of like a political game <laughs> yeah uh, so it's more about like who your family is or the, the family you're born into um and like in a lot of countries like monarchs would just simply bestow it upon yeah you. bestow it upon someone because like there is supposed to be a land requirement mm-hmm. you're supposed to have land to be a count but like some monarchs would just like bestow it upon yeah. you for like, like a favor in exchange for services rendered yeah, yeah like, a personal favor yeah uh so so dracula is a count so you know he's uh probably he got that from his father Mm-hmm. got it from his father you know or more likely Probably comes from a long line of people in, in kind of higher society he got it from himself pretending to be his father pretending to be his grandfather because he's been alive for a very long time do we ever get a sense of how long dracula has been alive not in this movie okay not to my not that i recall yeah there were a few actual i don't know i don't know if i want to call them plot holes but things that don't get like do we know what happens to the brides no after yeah because the final showdown happens in london Yes. In the novel, it happens back in Transylvania, and they, like, stake all of the weird oh, sisters. Okay. Um, but, yeah, and here it's just like, we just took care of Dracula, so don't worry about it. Yep. It's like, so did you just leave a bunch of people back in Transylvania, just, like, still getting eaten by all these vampires? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Or, I mean, the idea of this specific vampire lore is that, like, once you kill the vampire, That's true. all that have been ensorcelled by him are... Yeah, I mean, there might be some hint to that because Mina is is sort of like in the process of becoming a vampire when they kill Dracula, and that's why she no longer is one. Yeah, she's better now. Which is basically what happens in the book, too. Yeah, and also that's what 
uh, is the jumping off point for the direct sequel, Dracula's Daughter. Yeah. Um, where this woman who is apparently Dracula's daughter, right, yeah. is like supposed to no longer be a vampire because her dad's dead, but she still is. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's also a little bit based on the novel Carmilla, which okay, we will yeah. also talk about we'll later. Talk about. We can't not. Yeah. Uh, so I asked myself, to what extent does Lugosi's performance inform our cultural understanding of Dracula now? And my answer after my thesis is... Uh, <laughs> entirely Lugosi's performance significantly yeah. informs our co- almost entirely yeah yeah, yeah. informs our understanding of, of Dracula and and also vampires more generally right? yeah I was wondering about that because of my knowledge of vampires leading up to mm-hmm. this movie and like what I've read of Dracula the novel mm-hmm. I was like well we don't really see those like Dracula hallmarks we think of like the outfit that we yeah, imagine him in and the, accents, and the accent and stuff and, and I was like but back. I'm seeing them all in Lugosi so. Yes, yeah. so but tell me more yeah so after Stoker's Widow establishes copyright over the stage play version a couple actors play Dracula but Bella Lugosi ends up playing the role in the stage version um before it becomes a universal film and he was like he was very popular. He was like really well received I can see why. as Dracula in the in the in the stage play. Um, it's interesting though because he wasn't the first choice to be Dracula for the movie. Oh, really? Which is weird. It was supposed to be. Um, oh boy, like some, like an actual like horror scholar would be like you can't remember that name Uh, i can't remember the name uh if i heard the name i'd be like that guy uh but just like some more much more popular like an american yeah american actors at the time one who was perhaps under contract the studios when they made movies they like to have actors that were under contract because then they could get a lot of the money for themselves like they talk about how bella lugosi only got paid thirty five hundred dollars five hundred yeah. got yeah, yeah he got paid significantly well, less than like the guy who played harker yeah who was a smaller role and mina yeah. yeah but they were contracts you know actors right. a lot of that money went to like the studios not to the actual actors yeah well and also the reason why lugosi gets such a small salary you know for this film is because like he really wanted to do it and, and they're like it. we found like a couple other people we're gonna test these people you know and like they just weren't working out and he's just like i'll i'll do it for 500 a, a week yeah. like i really want to be dracula <laughs> <laughs> and that was i think the correct choice um so you know we have to remember that this movie's from 1931 which i think is now the oldest movie we've covered previous to this we, yeah. we cat people 1942 1942 so maybe when we like do Nosferatu mm-hmm. that'll get us to 22 when did Vampire come out maybe 1918 I don't know we'll see yeah. anyway um I know that the yeah the earliest one wait I have this somewhere oh yes it, there was also a Hungarian silent yes. film yep Dracula Halala yeah in 1921 which I think was the first movie based explicitly on Dracula, on Dracula. the novel yeah, yeah. but so it's in Hungarian yeah so. I know that might be I don't know <laughs> and I feel like it's but it's a silent film it, oh that's true actually so it really doesn't matter well yeah. I mean somebody would have to translate the oh the title cards yeah yeah for sure um so <laughs> what we have to remember is that like 1930s American audiences have very little understanding of like what makes a vampire you know i i that was the other thing i wondered about because it was really interesting watching the movie where there's a very stark difference in the novel where nobody really knows 
that much about what a vampire is. Whereas in this movie version, we have people just sort of throwing around the term vampire. Yeah. And sort of being like, well, those are just stories. But they're stories that they've heard of. Yeah. Whereas in the novel, they're like, I don't fucking know what what a vampire is. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So they like definitely at least have like a vague knowledge of what vampires are. Yeah. But maybe not like the hallmarks of the vampire. They're just sort of like, I don't know. That's like some fairy or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, or a demon, whatever, whatever yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, American audiences in the 1930s, like, you know, they their imagination is, like, to be molded, you know? Yeah. So Todd Browning, who directs this film, and Lugosi, like, effectively give, at least Americans, you know, mm-hmm. the, like, cultural understanding of how vampires look, how they talk, and how they behave, right? So, like, even the cape and the medallion was, like, a Lugosi decision, yeah. You know, it's just like a part as part of the stage play, like because, you know, it's like the opera cape is like great for dramatic effect. And right. Yeah. And I heard course, it was yeah. really especially good for like when he would sort of like because sometimes Dracula will disappear. Yes. You know yeah. that the cape makes it really easy to like disappear yeah. through a trap door and things or turn into a bat or whatever. Yeah. And like and like shield himself from the sunlight. You yes. Know, all that yeah. Stuff. Um, so those are actually like specifically like Lugosi decisions. Mm-hmm. It's like a cape and a medallion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So and th- and then it, it gets really confusing for I think for audiences like confusing Lugosi as Dracula specifically versus other kinds of vampires because he only actually plays Dracula again one more time mm. in uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Oh, I haven't seen it. I thought there was also a movie that was like the Vampire Returns or something. The Return of the Vampire. Yeah, he, it's not Dracula though. Oh, he's just another he's vampire. vampire. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, uh, but then, but the thing is, is that Universal only cast Lugosi as Dracula one more time, but Dracula is still appearing in other Universal movies. So they cast John Carradine. And then Lugosi does play a vampire in three other movies throughout oh, his career. Okay. Just a vampire. Oh, uh, okay. Mark of the Vampire, 1935. The Return of the Vampire, 1943. And Mother Riley Meets the Vampire. 1952 oh. uh, so this contributes to because you know it's the 30s and the 40s and the 50s there's no home video mm-hmm. you know there's no IMDB right so this contributes to like a public misconception that like all of those are the same uh, yeah. vampire that like that Bella Lugosi is portraying Dracula in many different mm-hmm. films, even though technically he's only doing it twice. Right. Because, like, all of those other vampires are still Bella Lugosi being a vampire. Yeah. Which is Dracula in all but name. Right, yeah. 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 And then it's funny, because that still is a thing. Some, that's, like, a common joke of people being like, yeah, I'm dressed up as a Dracula. Or, like, calling it a Dracula instead of calling it a vampire. Right. Like, I was, when we were texting today, I, like, put, you know, put in the word Dracula and, like, you know, the little, um, the little emojis like showed me little vampire oh, yeah. emojis like I deleted it and I put in vampire and like the same three came yeah. up and I was just like it's just oh, that, it's that's just, yeah it's that the iconic same. thing yeah. I also do wonder how much of like Lugosi's vampire or Dracula and how much our idea of Dracula is also based on like the period that it was made in because mm. I feel like some of the differences between the novel and the movie is just that the novel is very much set at like the turn of the century whereas I mean, just based on the fact that there are so many cars and, like, not a single train. And the trains are so important <laughs> in the novel. Yes. But there's just, like, a bunch of cars around. That makes it seem like the movie is meant to take place in current times, as in the 1930s. So I wonder if some of it is just sort of, like, 
I don't know. I wonder about him being perhaps a little bit of a stuffy, out of time, aristocrat, old money person of that time period. Yeah. You know, where he does feel a little bit turn of the century while the rest of the world is moving around him. Mm -hmm. Because we think a lot of like part of our Dracula is also not quite a Victorian vampire, more of an Edwardian vampire, which would be (laughs) a stuffy aristocrat. Yeah. 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 It's it's interesting because like Lugosi's Dracula is really different from Bram Stoker's Dracula, right? Yeah. Like in like we've been talking about, like in the novel, Dracula's like re- like really dangerous and obviously yeah. dangerous. Like he has like mm-hmm. these markings of a predator. Right? Yeah, and he's not supposed to be attractive. There's a lots of ways where he's described where it's repulsive, and yeah. then there's little signifier things like like he has hairy palms, like hairy <laughs> yeah. hands. He has little things and like these long feet, gross kind of fingernails yeah. and things. He has these things that are made to make him be like you said, like a predator, yeah. and also just kind of repulsive whereas i feel like this movie vampire is a lot more compelling drawing you in Uh, yeah very compelling like handsome you know Mm -hmm. well-spoken right like obviously knows like how to move in the society right yeah um so yeah but like lugosi's dracula is like still a monster but like less obvious you know and like I think, you know, if we're talking about just he's, like, representing something of the time, mm-hmm. like, Lugosi's Dracula is playing off two really specific fears, like, Americans would be having at the time. Uh, one, all tried and true, immigrants. Of course, right? yeah. Every Which is time. true in the novel, too. Yeah, right. Um, especially, like, uh, one, like, seemingly, like, charming outsider who, like, kind of is making his way through polite society. That is part of novel Dracula's goal. Why he keeps Jonathan in his castle for like two months. Yeah. Rather than the one day that Renfield is kept there in the movie. Yeah. Lucky bastard. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Is that he's like studying Jonathan to find out how to behave like an English gentleman so that he can like infiltrate English high society. Right. But in this film, he already knows how to do it. He just already does. Just yeah. Knows, and yeah. he's like much more successful at yeah, it than sho- I think like, the novel Dracula Renfield is. sees him. He shows up in his castle. He's in his tuxedo yeah. and his cape. You know, yeah. And I think medallion. the only thing is that he never quite gets the accent of an English gentleman. Whereas no. in the novel, I think he does eventually master oh, okay. it a little yeah. bit more. There are parts where Harker's right. like, oh, you sound like me. And like, that's like the other thing is that like, that's what kind of outs him in yeah. other ways. He's just like could totally fit in in the society. But like the accent, he never. He never pulls it off. He can never pull it off. Like that outs him as like being like, oh, you are not from here. Right. Yeah. Um. So he's kind of like that intruder or like that outsider really hiding in plain sight. You yeah. Know? Um, and then, of course, the other fear that's being played off is like the fear of sexuality, yeah. which we'll yeah. talk about later. Yeah. Um, and but not just sexuality, like, quote unquote, immoral desires more specifically. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, more broadly. Um, and 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 also like the horror of what happens if you were to like give in to those yeah. desires and like corruption of the innocence, you know, yeah. which I think we'll talk more about when we talk yeah. about Renfield and and yeah. Yeah. Though I will say stuff. it also ties in with it reinforces the fear of like the foreign invader right. because often who Dracula is preying on is like the young white English woman. Yeah. The first and the film, the first person he attacks once he gets to london is like that flower girl yeah right she's trying to sell flowers probably just trying to make a little bit of money yep. you know and that's yeah. always the fear with the foreigner coming in it's yeah. like you know gonna take the women gonna yeah, take our time. daughters yeah and and also i think when we will talk about vampire lore but also the um just the the thing of eating babies yeah yeah it's like how many different like outgroups have we 
yeah said, accused of eating babies yeah it would probably be shorter a shorter list to think of ones we haven't accused of eating babies. yeah and yeah. that is one of the really um one of the scenes in the novel that is always brought up as one of the really horrific parts is where they eat the eat a baby yeah the dracula's weird sisters yeah as they're referred to in the novel rather mm-hmm. than his brides um yeah they eat a baby yeah <laughs> and now i think like democrats do that right Oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, adrenochrome. Well, yeah, I don't yeah. know if they're eating them; they're injecting parts of their. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and no. But going back to Dracula as like uh, trying to fit into English society, mm-hmm. one of the things that I love that this movie does mm-hmm. is that it has Dracula and Van Helsing meet for the first time, like in Doctor Seward's drawing room. Mm-hmm. Like they're just meeting socially. Yeah, and that most of their like fights i guess are like these really verbal sparring kind of fights right yeah that are just like i don't i loved that i loved that they had some great lines back and forth yeah so i feel and i'm gonna be totally honest i have an affection for the character van helsing in my heart oh me too i think directly caused by the 2004 hugh jackman vehicle van helsing i have not seen it oh my gosh so it's awful yeah but like it's it's a great little kind of like and like everybody shows up like frankenstein's in it dracula's in it uh the wolfman's in it Mm -hmm. dr jekyll and mr hyder and like it's it's a star i I am quivering to not start talking about uh sad dad dracula in In dracula Dracula (laughs) (laughs) which was so set up to be to have a whole host of cameos yeah (laughs) but they never did it Um, we could have had it all but i also liking van helsing i also did not learn i think until today that his first name is abraham oh yeah which i can't help but feel is significant uh because it's biblical because biblical very very i mean it's abraham dude yeah like the abrahamic religions like the father of monotheistic religions yeah yeah no that is really that's a lot yeah and i think yeah because there is a lot of interesting play in this movie and in the novel between like religion and superstition versus science oh my gosh yeah or how they can work together i love actually that our first time seeing van helsing yeah he's like i don't know if he's in a lab but he has like test tubes yeah and he's like i think he's wearing a white coat yeah Yeah. he's like testing renfield's blood and that somehow proves that they're dealing with vampires and i'm like how how yeah (laughs) and for some reason dr stewart's like yes we've had a lot of you know random murders going on oh vampires you say okay (laughs) yeah like he knows all about vampires yeah immediately and everybody thinks he's crazy right yeah i mean there's a surprising number of people who kind of like i wouldn't say they think he's crazy like they call him in specifically for this i feel Mm. like the only one who really pushes back against him is harker jonathan harker right well yeah and so like to me van helsing does like really beautifully build that bridge between like modern scientific rationality and what cannot be explained with modern scientific rationality oh yeah what is that line he has that's so good uh modern science doesn't admit the existence of such things oh i was going with the superstition of yesterday can become the scientific reality of today man van van helsing's got He's oh, got some truth bombs. I also, it's so funny because you compare it to the novel where like he, he's got some truth bombs, but he just talks for paragraphs and paragraphs. And you're like, get to the fucking point. So that's, why are we talking about frogs right now, Van Helsing? So again, 85 minute movie. I know, Not yeah. even 75 yeah. minute movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And those are the things that like we, we don't yeah. need this. We don't yeah. need Van Helsing to talk forever. Yeah. Um, he also says uh, the strength of the vampire is that people will not believe in him. Oh, I thought that line was so interesting. Yeah. It imme- immediately made me think of 
there's that quote about the devil that's like the greatest trick the devil yeah. ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't, didn't exist. exist yeah which was a saying at least to the mid-19th century so like that is a saying that they would have known about when they made this movie yeah and equating vampires with like with satan yeah you know with with the demon with yeah. demons and yeah that's something i really love is just sort of like how like religion and like using the cross as protection is right. like on the same level as superstition and like using the wolfsbane for protection yeah, or the garlic how those are like yeah. both equally important because like we're and dealing possible. with something like supernatural and like religion and the supernatural remedies can both work against it. Yeah. Whereas science, like or trying some- to shoot it with a gun, not so good. But I like that. I like that. Yeah. The superstition and the religion are sort of like equally weighted. Yeah. And then the science is maybe not so. And is that something you notice in the in the novel? Because what from what I read, it seems like like the the religion of it all is like pretty cemented in in the novel and uh, that this the the film kind of branches away from it well the religion in the novel is kind of interesting because they while they use the signs of religion like they use the cross and they use like holy wafers and holy water and stuff right. there's never actually i mean there is yeah mina for a long time when she's first turning into a vampire she has a lot to say about religion because she gets uh the cross kind of burns her forehead and mm. she has like this Mm-hmm. The symbol of her unholiness on her. Mm-hmm. So there is like a lot of religion, but then there's also a lot of like the signs of religion being used without a lot of like thought. Like he just sort of like crumples up the way holy wafer and yeah, puts it in the coffin without that's like. That's not how you're supposed to yeah, use the Eucharist. The, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like like some weird things like that yeah. that are kind of. And it still is on the same level as using the garlic, which in yeah. the movie has changed to Wolfsbane. Yeah. But like using the garlic, using all of these other like more pagan, as you said, or like yeah. superstitious things that they're. But I also think something, the thing that I thought was the real change, actually, is that I think in this movie, modern science ended up being pretty fucking useless. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the book, they do a lot with, like, modern science. That actually helps them a lot. Like, they write in shorthand. And that helps, you know, them keep Dracula from knowing what they're doing and oh. things like that. You know, all these little smart, these little bits of like modern science and mm-hmm. like modern technology coming in where like they know the train system really well. And yeah. that helps them out. Things like that. The Van Helsing, or sorry, that Dracula hasn't caught up to. Yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it is sort of like modernity sort yeah. of beating down the old ways, you yeah. know, which I did. I, you don't really see that in this as much. No. Like the only we don't really see a lot of like I feel like the only modern science we see is that weird part where Van Helsing's checking the blood, which they never really explain. Yeah. Whereas like in the yeah. book we have extended scenes where they're doing like blood transfusions and shit. Whoa. Like science is really getting involved. Yeah. And then like we still have the asylum. Yeah. Which the sanitarium, and, yeah. I think it's interesting how we have this asylum that's supposed to be it's emphasized more in the novel, but I think in here too, where it's sort of like modern medicine. Here we are like treating our, yeah, our, you know, quote unquote insane people more right. humanely perhaps, except for they're straight up like two oh rifles face being like, you're a loony. Yeah, you're crazy, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. And it's really funny. I mean, besides for the fact that like, by our modern standards, this is not like yeah, it's awful. best practices, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. also like they're wrong. Renfield isn't crazy. Yeah, <laughs> he's right. super right. He, yeah, yeah, that's he's, a vampire. He's the correct one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like, uh, you know, this idea, especially like in, you know, the early 20th century of just like, oh, my gosh, we have these like newfangled tools like electroshock therapy <laughs> Let's use and lobotomy. Yeah. And like this is going to, you know, take yeah. care of everything. And, and But also just like fundamental understandings of mental illness. Right. You know, like calling him a loony. Yeah. Calling Renfield a loony. I you will know? say an interesting change 
that makes sense to me that why they did this in this way is that um, in this movie, Renfield doesn't get placed in the asylum, doesn't quote unquote go crazy until after he first meets Dracula. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the novel, when we meet him, he's already in the asylum Mm -hmm. and Dracula sort of takes advantage of that situation to prey on Renfield and get Renfield to follow him. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that makes, I can understand the impulse to have such an easy excuse for this level of madness. To be like, well, he was under the, you know, thrall of this devil. Of a vampire. You yeah. know, that's why he's mad. That's why he's eating and flies. Then, and then he got Van Helsing to back you up. Like, yeah, I told you. It was you a know? fucking vampire. Yeah, it's a vampire. Which is like, no. In the novel, those are like two separate things, kind of. Yeah. Or like his mental illness makes him an easier prey for Dracula because people won't listen to him. Right, yeah. I know it was really interesting. So last year I did Dracula Daily. Mm-hmm. It goes on. Every year. It's going on this year, too, right now. But you um, just need one year. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, I've already read the novel a few times. And it is really interesting to do it, the Dracula Daily method, mm-hmm. which is putting it all in chronological order, because mm-hmm. the novel isn't in chronological order. Mm-hmm. So you get, like, some different things and, like, some different parallels you don't pick up on. Um, but one of the things, it was really also cool just getting, like, modern audiences' response to reading the novel, which... I think was the same response we had where they were just like calling him a loony to his face. Yeah. Where like a lot of people were like the Damn. scariest part, like the most troubling parts mm. of this novel were like seeing how they treated Renfield where they're like putting him in isolation. They're putting him in a yeah. straitjacket, like just the way they treat him. And the whole time it's being like Dr. Seward, who is like, you know, on the forefront of medicine and yeah, like yeah, treats yeah. his patients so well. <laughs> it's like, this is good to you. Yeah. <laughs> like, welcome to the modern world. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, it's not though. Oh my God. Also one more point on madness. Yeah, this is the last thing I have to say on madness. Um, So in the book, there is a recurring thing where they make little Shakespeare references, Mm. which makes sense because Bram Stoker also worked in a theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, And he wrote plays and stuff. Um, So he loved Shakespeare. It's just so clear. But no, did you get the Shakespeare reference? I don't know. I don't think so. No, Um, it's there are several times when they're sort of talking about how Renfield's like crazy. Right. And... uh, Renfield has a few things to say about it. Like when they're talking about the vampires, he's like, isn't this a strange conversation for people who aren't crazy? And like he, mm. Renfield has all these great little pithy remarks. Mm-hmm. And oh, one yeah. of them, when they like specifically ask him, Van Elsing asks him about Dracula and Renfield says words, words, words. words, words. Yeah. I do, yeah. I did. So like, one, yeah, yeah, which is explicitly a Hamlet, Hamlet reference yep. when they're trying to figure out if Hamlet's crazy. Uh. And they're like, what are you reading? And Hamlet's like, words, words, words. And like trying to figure out if he's crazy or not. And like, is Hamlet crazy or is he pretending to be crazy? Or is he pretending to be crazy, but also crazy? And it's really great with Renfield doing that. Because yeah. it's like, is he crazy? No. <laughs> no. But also, maybe. Because he was, you know, sort of overtaken by Dracula. Yeah, through the, through the lens of like modern science, he's crazy. Yeah. But if we're looking at it in a different way. Yeah. From like... Yeah, from the perspective of, you know, more, like, spiritual understanding of the word, like, uh, of the world, rather, like, from religion. Yeah. Or, like, other, you know, maybe, like, more, um, yeah, like, pagan belief systems of the world than, like, yeah, he's actually... He's seeing shit clear more clearly yeah. than anybody more else. More clearly than anybody else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah some, if this was a slasher, he'd be our stereotypical fool. He'd be a fool. Yeah. What What's that saying? Uh, sometimes the fool like speaks the truth or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. fools speak the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In fact, fools always speak the truth if we're talking about Shakespeare. Yeah, that's true. Um, oh, something that really like got me about like uh, John Harker and, and Mina. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is that like. Harker, John Harker, is, like, convinced. He understands that Mina's safety is in danger. Yeah. But he is convinced that as long as he's there, 
mm-hmm. she she's safe. Like that, like he his like presence yeah. will like protect her. And I was like, why, John? Why do you feel that way? Like, what protection can you offer her? Well, I think part of it other is other than that- you're a man. I think part of it is that he's playing the role of the skeptic more uh-huh, than yeah. everybody else. He re- yeah, he, he really is he the never, one who's not, not into I it. I mean, yeah. I think it's really sort of typified in when he has just heard so much about vampires. And it seems like he should be on board by now. He's seen some things. He's, he's heard some things. some shit. He, yeah. There's a bat. Is that Lucy come? dead at this point? I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Come there's on, like buddy. a bat that's there and he just sort of shoos it away like yeah. it's a gnat or something like it's a fly. He's just like, shoo, shoo, out of here. Meanwhile, like Mina is obviously having like a reaction to this bat. Yeah. And I'm just like, Harker, pay attention. It's so <sighs> it's oh, God, it just <sighs> it's not my Harker. <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah, I'm trying not to keep talking about the novel, but that is not my Harker. This Harker sucks. Yeah. yeah. And it's also not my Quincy Morris, who's the guy who pulls out his gun to shoot bats. But we do get a guy who shoots a bat with a gun. We do? Yeah. It's um Martin, I think his name was. Oh, he was yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. He was like... He works, he was in like, charge of Renfield. Yeah, yeah, that guy who calls him a loony. Yeah, he's yeah. the one who calls Renfield a loony, yeah. but he gets to shoot at bats. And yeah. I think Van Helsing is like, yeah, that's useless. Yeah. Yeah, Martin also does uh, a little a little bit of questioning other people's sanity as well. Yeah. Right? And his own. Yeah. But yeah, he just, he thinks everybody's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, himself. I think a lot of the skepticism is put on Harker because they need somebody to be the skeptic. Right. And it's useful for it to be him, especially since he's sort of taking on the role of the suitors from the novel. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of skepticism in like the original Dr. Seward, because he is very much a man of science. Mm-hmm. And he spends the whole time being like, my mentor Van Helsing is talking some crazy shit. Yeah, he's like talking about frogs for a couple paragraphs. <laughs> it's crazy. Hmm. Uh, yeah, no. And also speaking of Harker and Mina, I love the scene, speaking of that scene with the bat and stuff, where then the bat is like squeaking. Yes. And it seems like she's responding to her fiance and being yeah. like, yes, no, whatever. I know, yeah. yeah. And then she said something that's like discordant with what he's saying. Yeah. He's like, what? And you I realize know. she's talking to the bat. Yes, it's yes. really well done. <laughs> there are some things in this movie that are so well done. They really are. Like yeah. um, when Dracula sort of envelops Mina in his cloak mm-hmm. in the middle of the forest. Mm-hmm. Or like when he preys on Mina. And that's the one time when we have him going down like towards the camera. Like, he's yeah. pre- like oh, yeah, I would have fainted back in 1930. <laughs> that yeah. was terrible. That was so good. Um, also, you know what really like gets me is the imagery of like of Dracula coming out of his coffin. Like oh, hand first. Yeah. You know, and, and like, that's yeah, like how we first had nightmares like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's like yeah. how we first see him in his yeah. brides. It's just their hands. Yeah. And then all of the like weird creatures. Oh yeah. yeah like the course. armadillo. Yeah. Why is there an armadillo in Transylvania? Oh uh, <laughs> it's because the director wanted it to be there. <laughs> okay. I love it. Well, okay, so there is an association with armadillos and like grave cemeteries oh because there are they're like burying creatures they go for like worms and things like that which also go for corpses so it kind of makes sense if you're a vampire that you would want a creature like an armadillo to like so you don't have wake up with like a bunch of worms on your face right so like it kind of makes sense but yeah actually a really good point yeah dracula definitely would have had to have imported that (laughs) well he's a count so So, yeah yeah he's a rich one he's got the connections that you could get an armadillo but i think i i remember something about how sometimes in early movies around this time like a lot of people in america since like the only place in america where you'll really find an armadillo especially at this time yeah yeah, is like at that point just like texas and maybe a little bit in florida like people did not know what armadillos were so like they're weird looking uh, yeah when you really think about an armadillo yeah yeah and i also saw something but i didn't confirm it like just some rumors that like they according to like code 
they didn't really like to show rats in films. Hmm, interesting. And so like an armadillo was a good sort of creepy, weird stand in <laughs> for a rat <laughs> okay. to just be like, oh, what is this? Ooh, weird. Yeah. yeah, the armadillos, though, they're great. They're just so weird. <laughs> also, how did you like that moment at the end after everything's done? Dracula's dead. Mm. Mina's been cured. And our last very last shot of the movie is Harker and Mina going up the stairs of the Abbey with like bells chiming like they just got married. <laughs> like <laughs> What? <laughs> right. Well, well, you know, I'm I'm kind of thinking that like a movie like this because this movie is pre Hayes Code. However, that's not to say that there isn't still like production code. Yeah, in yeah, play, like, right. Yeah, and so like maybe you know there does still need to be like this triumph over evil and like a happy ending for yeah. like the morally upright people. And know? how often our association with like marriage yeah. and happy ending that those things are always yeah. associated with I each mean, other it's literally like the one thing that makes a shakespearean comedy a comedy is that it ends in a marriage, a marriage. Yeah, rather than yeah. a death or two yeah. yeah 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 often yeah <laughs> yeah no i love that and i also think that was interesting because one thing i was curious about is that i i wonder if this was the i wonder where they started referring to the brides as dracula's brides because in the novel Jonathan calls them the Weird Sisters, which right. is another Shakespeare reference. It is, yes. So, like, when did they start be becoming, like, Dracula's wives? Which is definitely how we think about them now. Right, and, yeah. like, the idea of wives and Dracula having long-lost loves and things like that is, like, much more common now. And I do wonder if part of it is that, like, seeing them as brides is sort of, like, a way to explain the presence of women in his house and also to make him, like, not a weird bachelor because, ooh, Heaven forbid that a bachelor. Of, yeah, like that's like the wrong message. Would like rather him like own women than be <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a confirmed bachelor yeah, with yeah, his yeah. weird gay thing with Renfield. Yeah, but also <laughs> they get to keep it being kind of illicit by being like, wait, there are three of them. Yes, this ooh, like polygamy vibe. Yeah, and so it's like this unholy matrimony. Yeah, and so then it's like a really good contrast to this sort of like pure marriage that we get at the end with yeah. Mina and Jonathan. But I was sort of like right there at the end, like. Mina, do you really want to get married right now? Like, yeah. do you want to marry this guy right now? Yeah, right. After everything you just went from? Yeah. <laughs> you maybe want to take a break? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, the three brides are are pretty interesting to me. Like, to me, like, it was something I could have maybe taken a deeper dive into. And it just, like, gave me, like, it was giving Bluebeard. Right? Yeah, you know? I think that's a common Where thought. Where the three, well, because in, in Bluebeard, you know, the idea is that his three brides represent, like, the day. Mm. Right. One bride for morning, one for afternoon and one for evening. Mm. Right. Um, so, I mean, three is just like it's such, such a significant number. Oh my, like three, three is everything, especially when it know? comes to like cycles. Exactly. So, you know, it's like, yeah, three, you know, yeah. like he, he probably wouldn't just have one. Yeah. Right. And two is weird. <laughs> I don't know why. Nobody does twos. Two. Bigamy. No, no, no. no, no, no. Polygamy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is also the theory. I mean, from the novel, mm -hmm. I believe you read about this, too, that because one of the brides is described as blonde. Yes. Whereas the other two brides are described as looking more like Dracula. Uh -huh, darker hair. You know, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're kind of like, well, maybe that blonde one is his bride. Yeah. And then the other two are like daughters. Yeah. And I mean, that either implies that he's like having some sort of vampire familial relationships where he like took a bride, but then also took daughters mm -hmm. or it's the implication that he had a family before he became a vampire mm -hmm. because often in vampire folklore, the first thing a vampire does when he gets turned is go after his still living family. Oh, okay. So like that could be what it is, mm. but it's interesting because they also, when Mina starts to turn, they refer to her as their sister. So it is sort of like everybody who gets turned by Dracula 
their sisters. Yeah, right. And he's sort of like fathering a new race of vampires. Ooh. I don't know. It's unclear. But yeah, this right. is where it starts to solidify his brides instead. Yeah, as brides, yeah. And then, but also, you know, like there is, you know, again, if like whatever Dracula is meant to represent, like whichever audience is like viewing him as like, with, if those are his daughters, like maybe there's also like an incestuous aspect yeah. to it, right? And it's just like, yeah, this guy is like weird, right? Yeah. You know, it's just sort of like we're just going to sort of vaguely imply all sorts of something about him is immoral, immoral, yeah, yeah. especially sexually or erotically. Yeah, all of those implications are there. You know, is he a confirmed bachelor? Right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> As yeah. in gay? Is he a polygamist? I is could, he incestuous? I what could is also it? see a reading where like the the sisters are just kind of in league with Dracula because, like, they kind of lure men to the castle Mm -hmm. and, like, he, like, you know, maybe for them all to feed on. Who knows? That's in my head canon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And... Yeah, I mean, that works with the book. He brings back, like, babies and children, you know, like, for Mm -hmm. them to feed on and... Um, so maybe there's sort of like a, like a symbiotic relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we're all vampires. We're doing whatever, you know? Yeah. I do, like what they kept from the novel though it's Renfield now instead of Harker yeah. the we always have the like three brides coming in or the three sisters whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it to prey on this guy and then Dracula coming in being like nope my man he's mine yeah this he's one's mine my man yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry and that heterosexuality happens, get out of here and, and that happens in this in this movie yeah like way faster right yeah. like the, everything is way said faster. he's just like He's just like, like shoes them shoo, away. Shoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like. No. And they're yeah. like. Nah. Yeah. And walk away. Yeah. And then, you know, Dracula and Renfield fade to black. <laughs> yeah. Right. And honestly, I, uh, I don't mind that we decided to make this Renfield instead. I, in terms of condensing the story, yeah. it makes a lot I, of sense. And I actually do really like the character of Renfield in this film. And yeah, he steals the show. Dude, Dwight Fry, the actor who plays yeah. him. He fucking acted. Oh, God. ass off. Yeah. And, you know, what I was thinking is, like, also the shot of Renfield, because it also, like, makes more sense to the plot, like, because Renfield helps him on that ship, you know, and, like, Renfield maybe, like, helps dock the ship rather than just letting it slam into the (laughs) And the shot of him, because he's, like, kind of down in Mm. the ship, and, like, the camera's, like, open, like, looking Mm -hmm. down on him down the stairs, and he has just, like, that look of madness on his face, like, is... A really effective shot to me is like it's creepy yeah like, you know even it's really well done having seen so many different horror movies and so much scary stuff like still like yeah it, it does it like it creeps me out man especially yeah. with it coming right after that scene of just like the shadow, the shadow of the yeah. ship captain tied to the helm with like yeah. the cross in his hand yeah, so and it's like everybody's dead yeah and then we get the one person who's still alive and it's this like madman and the whole yeah it's so good yeah it's Ugh. really well because that is the best part of the fucking book and it's the best part of every fucking movie and the movie is going to be so good when it comes out <laughs> and then <sighs> well and also speaking of more modern depictions uh the the movie renfield Oh, yeah. It was really good. And so, like, this is kind of the canon, is that Renfield, 90 years later, mm-hmm. is still kind of like the servant or whatever you want to call it yeah. of Dracula, played, honestly, really, really well by um, Nick, Nick Cage. Uh, I oh, mean, yeah. obviously, like, Bela Lugosi is, like, the OG. Yeah. He's the best. But, like, you know, Nicolas Cage does a really good job. And it's just funny because, you know, we'll talk about more about the relationship between Renfield and Dracula. And it's just, like, such a perfect pickup where, like, the fact of the matter is is that, like, 90 years later, 
their relationship would be like an incredibly toxic like narcissist um enabler yeah. relationship yeah. and but like they it makes it comedy somehow yeah it's really good i will yeah. say they sh- they in this in this movie they show it like visually so well where we have this like double of when they first meet and Dracula Dracula greets him from the stairs from like the top of the stairs while Renfield's on like the bottom of the stairs Mm -hmm. and like a what a dominance move like greeting from above yeah and then he like sort of leads him up the stairs you know Mm -hmm. or like he's like it's like you know I'm above you and then their final interaction together after Renfield's like betrayed him essentially and is trying to help out Mina once again they're on the stairs with Dracula above him and then he kills him and Renville's body goes tumbling down the stairs and it's yeah. just like ending right where we begin like the cycle of like you're never going to get anywhere and I do think it's really so interesting that Renfield even though he has that moment where he like kind of pretends to be a vampire on like the maid at Dr. Seward's house mm-hmm. where he like kind of preys on her but he's not a vampire. No. Renfield never gets turned into a vampire. No, he has like these lesser powers where he needs like not he he's not cool enough to need the life force of human beings. Yeah. He like takes the life force of like yeah. lesser things like bugs. And it's really yeah. interesting for like what that implies about their relationship as exactly. like this this lack of consummation yeah. or like it being seen as like not a valid relationship between them. With all the things that he says about, like, I'm your slave, and, like, Mm -hmm. punish me, torture me, but let me live, and, like, yeah, it's just such a toxic relationship, and it's so interesting, (laughs) and And we're trying really hard not to talk about how gay it is, but, like, it's also really gay, and one other thing that I loved about Renfield, yeah, part of why I was, like, a little bit confused in the beginning, because I was like, this is Harker, but it's not Harker, it's Renfield, is that he also wasn't acting a bunch like Harker, and, like, what was really different to me is that, like, the villagers pretty clearly tell Renfield, like, hey, that's a vampire. Oh, my God, And he God, has his dude. brides. And you're going to get eaten. And yeah. it's one Pergus night. Don't go out on one Pergus night. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? And he just fully ignores them. At least Harker's sort of, like, confused and, like, what are you talking about? Oh, garlic. Okay. You know, he's, like, kind of going along. But, like, whatever. Yeah. And he, Renfield is, like, very explicit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Renfield is told exactly what's going on and what's going to happen when he gets to that castle, yeah. and he doesn't believe any of it. He like just brushes it off as superstition, right? And, like even when the villager tries like take this, cru- like at least yeah. take your crucifix, he's like, oh, all right, I guess. whatever you say, crazy village. I person. know. And then he, he even has the driver who's like, the driver's scared to go. The yeah. driver doesn't want to take you, and he's like, too bad. And I'm like, that's so selfish. Yeah. Also, like. <laughs> Pay attention to what's going on around you. Yeah, <laughs> like but it's just like people. so classic Renfield because like his whole thing is very selfish of like taking life to fuel your own life, eating the flies to like become stronger. Yeah, eating, yeah. you know. So I, I mean, and that's what vampire stuff is. It's that you know parasite stuff, and it's like, yeah. and it's like it's only he has that uh, that act of selflessness in the end where he tries to save Mina, and that's like his undoing. Like he can only survive selfishly. It's just it's really interesting. Though also just like, um, just as an aside, speaking of the gay stuff, which we'll do more extensively later. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that we still got a Lucy Mina relationship. Yeah. And that they're like best gal pals they're and they're having sleepovers. They have a sleepover. Yeah. I love it. It's a bit of a switch from the novel because Lucy is sort of like reciting weird gothic poetry and Mina's like, no. Whereas like in the novel, Mina's such a goth. But like, <laughs> they're still just really good friends. Yeah. And I love another good change actually that I really liked is there's the quote unquote bloofer lady, um, which is Lucy as a vampire. Mm. and they talk about lucy coming to see mina 
And I wish they would have delved even more on that in the movie. Like, we sort of see a little bit of Lucy sort of in there. But, like, an actual scene between Mina and Lucy, it probably would have been, like, too gay. Way too gay. Yeah. But, oh, it is, like... Like, just right for homoeroticism and just right for, like, I mean, that tangled girl best friendship. <laughs> there is actually a... Well, actually, it, it was never filmed, but in the script, there was supposed to be a scene where Dracula and Mina kiss. Ooh! Um, but it was cut from the film because it was, like, too raunchy. Yeah. Or, yeah, too... Um, yeah. Scandalous. It is yeah. interesting that Lucy very explicitly, very explicitly is, like... Yeah, I'm kind of hot for Dracula. Maybe I'll be a countess. Yeah. Like, she wants to marry Dracula. Yeah. Well, she gets dazzled by him, like, pretty yeah. quick. And she's like, he's charming. I was like, yeah, it kind of yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. And Mina's like, I mean, I don't particularly see it, but yeah, countess. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Live your life, Lucy. And then it's it's really interesting because, like, it's wonderful that this movie is, like, 75 minutes. But it it does kind of, like, rush Lucy's death. Like, oh, all of a sudden, Lucy's just dead. I wasn't even sure, especially since they changed her last name. I was and like... I wasn't even sure if it was Lucy. Yeah, they yeah. were like, because they just called her Miss Western or whatever. I was like, is this the flower I was woman? like, is that Lucy? What is happening? Yeah. yeah, I was really confused. And then it was like, oh, no, that was Lucy. She's dead. She's dead now. Yeah. And yeah, and we didn't R. get R. a lot of her being a vampire. Did they even take the time to kill her? I can't even remember. No, she just, like, they cut to a new scene. And, yeah. like, she's dead on the table. No, I mean, as a vampire, did they take the time to slay her as a vampire? no idea or is she still just out there also like the brides they did not tie up loose no, ends they really the van helsing so. van helsing <laughs> abraham doctor <laughs> um. <Dr>. esquire again <laughs> phd uh, yeah he's got a couple phds definitely speaking of van helsing yeah and his um taking down of vampires uh one thing that we really wanted to talk about is just sort of like vampire lore and like how you deal with vampires and where all that comes from and where Bram Stoker got all this stuff from. Right, yeah. And so like, I think this might be a good time to get to our literary Kona. <laughs> that was not a good harmony. No, I didn't. Okay. I didn't. It, it was not intentional. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what I was really interested in, obviously vampire lore goes back really far. It goes back. To, there's like Mesopotamian. Oh, vampire, yeah. like, there's, there's like, like vampire, there's like, you know, there's a Judaic. If by our if our definition of a vampire is something of blood that sucks blood, there's one in like literally like every, every culture it just all around the around. world, like throughout history. Yeah. As long as we've been recording it, at least, yeah, you know? yeah, they're but, everywhere. Yeah. yeah, but what I was particularly interested in was sort of like what the English speaking world sort of understands a vampire right. and like how Bram Stoker sort of influenced that and what fed into this story. Mm-hmm. It really is when the vampire comes to England that we start to have that change to our sort of modern imagining of the vampire as this person who's like charismatic and kind of you know sexy, <laughs> you know that kind of vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really first appears in English in like the early 1700s. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because yeah. it began when, like, I don't know, it was around like, you know, a big thing that happened was like Austria sort of gained control of part of Serbia. I got you. Uh yeah vampire lore you know the way that we more that looks more like how we see it today was basically kind of like came to the forefront of like the larger european imagination uh yeah around the 1700s when a friend of the pod serbia yes second mention yeah um 
Yeah, is which is what we talked about uh, in our Cat People episode, mm-hmm. that Serbia is just, like, so delicately placed. Yeah. Like, right on that border between e- the East and the West, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Eastern European vampire lore was, like, really hyper-local. Um, and then Serbia gets caught between two warring empires, the Habsburg monarchy, a.k.a. Mm. the Austro-Hungarian Empire, uh, notably a Christian empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and the Ottoman Empire, which is yeah. notably Muslim. Yeah. Uh, yes. Hear more about this all in our Cat People episode. <laughs> uh, so Austrian officials like the Habsburgs yep. were just like, go find out what the fuck is going on in Serbia as well as Romania and Hungary, you know, yeah. and Bulgaria and all those places. Um And so uh, Austrian officials reported back on, like, what Mm -hmm. to them were, like, really strange burial burial rituals. Yeah. And, like, the lore spread. Yeah. 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 Even though the Habsburgs were, like, absolutely not. Stop it with the vampires. (laughs) Like, here's a, like, my personal physician that mm-hmm. says they're not real yeah but, like, yeah, yeah was- empress maria Teresa had to get yeah. involved yeah <laughs> yeah she yeah, had to like it- officially like outlaw exhuming bodies because yeah, but- people kept unburying them so that they could like stake them and shit it was too late like yeah the, you know it caught the imagination yeah. of of western europe at that point yeah yeah no it's like became this whole big thing of being like this like vampire hysteria and like the word vampire itself mm-hmm. Spelt with a Y. Vampire. A vampire. <laughs> um, it, it first appears in English in 1731. Like, we know that then. Yeah. And it was talking about these, like, mass hysterias and, like, these corpses getting dug up and a few, like, specific stories mm-hmm. coming from, like, Serbia and other areas like that of, like, well, this person died and then suddenly all of these cattle were dying and obviously this is really, you know, and, like, all these, like, vampire stories. And, yeah. like, in some places it went along similar lines to, like, witch trials where mm-hmm. some people were even executed for being supposedly vampires, mm, interesting. you know, but yeah. mostly it was, yeah, things done with corpses. And that, that does kind of, you know, go back to the idea of like science versus superstition, because what these people are seeing when they dig up these bodies is very easily explainable with science right they're like they're seeing oh my gosh like this person's died and was buried and we dug them back up and it looks like their hair has grown and Mm -hmm. their nails have grown and their stomachs bloated and there's like blood coming out of their mouth and they're like they obviously resurrected at night and and like fed you know um it's just like no these are actually like really common symptoms of death right like this is decomposition yeah like decomposition like our skin contracts and our nails and our hair get longer or at least look longer the Mm -hmm. gases bloat our stomach and like push blood yeah out of our mouths like it's no it's just a dead person right yeah um but you know people didn't you know a farmer in serbia in 1750 yeah isn't gonna know anything about that yeah 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 so we do have yeah we have a lot of eastern european vampire stuff and a lot of it's sort of like inconsistent um, I mean, not inconsistent. Well, I guess I do mean that. It varies from like place to place because Eastern Europe is much, a very yeah. large place. Yeah, and and it's like hyper local. Like yeah. each village might have their own vampire. And lore. Yeah. Stoker himself did take the time to like study to the best of his ability in the 19th century, you know, studying Eastern Europe in a very colonialist, like imperialistic viewpoint, you know, but there are definitely some significant changes, like talking about digging up these corpses and seeing what they're like. A lot of these or- original vampires were often more like bloated and like ruddy corpses. And gross, yeah. yeah. Rather than the sort of like pale, thin, undead vampires that right. we think of. And like fangs aren't a thing. We'll talk about where the fangs come in in a little Ooh, bit. Okay. But like but like the blood drinking is still a thing. Yeah. You know. Got to. Yeah. And 
there's like a lot of different thoughts about like how vampires can be made if it's like this was an evil person who died or maybe a person who committed suicide mm. or some other sin yeah. and like is being is rising again as a corpse or if it's like an evil spirit possessing a corpse or like is it a vampire bites another person and they become a vampire it's like you know there's a lot of different things but common things to take care of them is to bury them face down yeah to put stakes through their corpse yeah to uh, sever their tendons. Oh, okay. So that yeah. they can't walk up. Yeah, mutilation, yeah. yeah. Burying and them then, with garlic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. garlic is already a thing. Yeah. Um, Wolfsbane is actually a little bit of a thing, too. I think, especially that in, tracks. like, Germanic yeah. lore. Yeah. Which is, I thought it was an interesting change in the movie. They're like, we're not going to do garlic. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's 1931 and garlic's already overplayed. <laughs> yeah. <no>. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting because garlic itself is, like, a commonly used like herbal medicine in a lot of traditions, you know, because, and so since vampirism is often seen as like a disease, Mm -hmm. like particularly a blood disease, Mm -hmm. it's sort of thought that garlic is an antibiotic for that, which is, thematic because both me and erica right now are on antibiotics slash I'm antivirals an antiviral. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. we're injured slash I'm feeling, falling apart i'm feeling uh, incredibly vampiric like yeah. my my eye right now is like so sensitive to light yeah. I just like draw the curtains you know yeah Ugh. i suppose i'm probably Leave more me in the darkness yeah. of a werewolf because my wound is from a dog, from a dog. Tooth. Yeah, so yeah. you know i got bit i'm gonna turn <laughs> When's the next full moon? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the movie uses Wolfsbane instead, which is also something that comes up a little bit to ward off werewolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also other Duh. evil type supernatural things. I don't know exactly why they decided. Yeah. If it was just like garlic's overdone or something. But yeah. that is an interesting change that they made. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to uh, the English vampire. Yeah. So the first like real story we get about the vampire is in 1819 by John Polidori. We're going to get real literary corner this time. I oh, mean, yeah. That's what literary corner is for. Yeah. 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 So the story, it's often miscredited as being by Lord Byron because it was kind of like his original idea. No. Yeah, no. Fuck Lord no. Byron. I also, honestly, that is kind of how I feel. I yeah. do feel like fuck Lord Byron. I, I actually have a certain amount of sympathy for Lord Byron, fair. which is a subject for another day. Totally fair. And honestly, like, you know, usually I feel like it is my personality to have sympathy yeah. for a person, but nah, no, not him. No, yeah. yeah. Fuck he Lord was Byron. just a real bisexual disaster. He's like doctor, right? Yeah. John Polidari is his doctor. Yeah. yeah. This is another story that came out of the same little party, which is where Frankenstein mm-hmm. by Mary Shelley mm-hmm. first came to be um but this is the first tale the vampire by john polidori is like when we first get the idea of the aristocratic evil vampire and not only was it miscredited to lord byron but there's also thoughts that maybe lord ruthven the vampire in it was perhaps a little bit based on lord byron Mm. especially since john polidori and lord byron did not have a great relationship (laughs) tumultuous yeah, yeah yeah he was like i need a doctor and john polidori was like great i need literary connections this will be great for both of us and it was not great for either of oh, them. <laughs> that's weird when does a doctor need literary connections because he wanted to be a writer oh he didn't want to be a doctor <laughs> yeah oh, no. no but then he uses the name for I the vampire. Want my doctor to want to be a doctor though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well the other thing about lord byron is that he did not want to be a chronically ill yeah, person what was his deal? Was um, he have a he, chronic illness no not a chronic illness that wasn't the word i wanted okay. um he was born Born with one of his legs like shorter than uh, he had like yeah, yeah, yeah. leg yeah. issues yeah. and he had he, like he had a limp and he was very self-conscious about Aww. it that's yeah but um anyway but he was also just an asshole yeah oh lord byron um but no like the name that john polidori uses lord ruthven 
is also a name that one of Byron's famous somewhat lovingly insane uh, lovers, Lady Caroline Lamb, Mm -hmm. also used that name for like a thinly veiled Lord Byron in one of her stories. Oh, wow. So it's like, we all know what's going on here. We're like, "Mm, this is Lord Byron. It's like, Lord Byron, your exes fucking hate you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, this is when we first get that sort of like English aristocratic, charismatic preying on people sort of like in this romantic way as well as like physically preying on them where he's like going after women and it definitely went on to influence other tales of the vampire like you can see its influence in dracula and also was turned into like plays and operas or like the basis for plays and operas in other parts of western europe like france and things and and it really started a whole like Western European sexy vampire craze in the Western world that honestly is ongoing. <laughs> uh, I have a question you might not be able to answer. And that, Love it. That's totally fine. Uh, do you have any understanding of the uh, economic landscape in England during this time? In what way? Like, uh, was it a particularly difficult economic period? Were they in like a recession or depression? It's, or we're talking were they- Victorian era. Okay. So empire-wise, we're doing, doing great. Doing awesome. Yeah, we're right. Doing and great. they're English. But there's also... Or they're British, so they're probably... But there's also a shit ton of poor in the city. A ton you know, of poverty. Trying, yeah, 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 yeah. Trying um, to get by. So, I, just, I mean, it's 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 a very stratified. I just saw this just really interesting thing. You know, this like... It was kind of meant as a joke, but I was like looking at this article about how like vampires do well when the economy's bad. Oh. You know, because if you think about Dracula... 1931 like we're you know and then and then the right then the creation of like all the universal monster films and like sequels and you know all this mm-hmm. other vampire stuff um in like the decade after that you know f- through the depression and world yeah. war Two, and then like the next time that vampires like really come back in full force into like the you know collective mm-hmm. conscious is like around 2008 Right. When we get the recession. During the recession, when we, we start to get Twilight and, and Triple stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So that just made me think about that, but yeah. it's okay if you don't I mean, there's another, there's another thing I think where the vampire also comes up in times of. I'm surprised actually that we're not seeing a little bit more vampires right now because it's also a disease thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was a lot of disease. And it's conta- you know, and contagious. Agent. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, I feel thing. like we did. I feel like. Uh, we we have been well everybody's on strike now anyway yeah. uh so maybe in like a year or two maybe yeah, a bunch of vampire shit will come back yeah. yeah um but we i feel like I f- oh i guess actually wait a second i'm so dumb because the whole dracula daily thing you're not dumb. and hot drac summer yeah as i was referring to last that summer. bloomed yeah last summer yeah. we're still yeah yeah that's still pandemic era so um, actually yeah vampires are pretty hot right now i also feel like for i think nowadays if we want to like you know give ourselves a plague narrative we do it with zombies that's true and we i have you know a i lot think of zombie stuff. it's my understanding that those earlier especially eastern european understandings of a vampire like sound a lot like a zombie yeah, yeah. or like a revenant yeah. there's like a lot of overlap there yeah but back to the english vampire yeah another i this is not a vampire that i was really familiar with there's varney the vampire that's not real from like 1845 to 47 because it was a penny dreadful are you familiar with penny dreadfuls no it was just sort of like the cheap serialized like publications. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was just like the little. Time. Yeah. It was like serialized things like little they get, zines that get put out. Did the authors get paid by the word? I mean, I think that would depend. But okay. the idea is that they were really cheap. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. that's why they're called penny dreadfuls. And people are like churning them out. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 
So again, this is a story of like an aristocrat terrorizing an English family. And because it has like different writers and it's like over a series of time because it's this like serialized story. So like the the story isn't always super consistent. But one of the things that it has that I think is very important to vampire lore is that this is the first time we get that sympathetic vampire, which Mm. I teased about for. Mm -hmm. Like he has parts where he's like he really wishes he could resist his hunger for blood. And like he even goes so far as to like kill himself by throwing himself into Mount Vesuvius or something. Wow. Yeah. Drama queen. Yeah. Yeah. So like this is a vampire, a type of vampire that we see a lot. Like now it's like interview with a vampire, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, all of those types of vampires where we are like have that. Yeah. And it's also the source of a lot of our vampire tropes, actually. This is where we first get the point of things. It's from Varney the Vampire. Yeah. It's not an Eastern European tradition. It's not from the folklore. Yeah. It's from Varney. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Um, And it's also where we first have like. Does he have a cape? No. Okay. But it is where he is like uh, kind of aristocrat vibes. Yeah. So maybe he has a cape, but maybe. not in that big way. Um, but we have the victim with the two puncture wounds on the neck. Mm-hmm. That's his thing. Okay. We also, he's often entering young women's homes through the window at night, mm. which is another common vampire thing. Yes. Um, he's the one who first does the hypnosis. He's the one who has the superhuman strength. Oh. A lot of the shit is coming from Varney. Uh, does Varney only come out at night? No, that is not a thing. Okay, what about does Varney shapeshift? No, mm, okay. but if you want to talk about shapeshifting, Carmilla, eighteen seventy-two by Sheridan Le Fanu. Okay, who's another Irish author, just like Bram Stoker. Love it. Um, and this is where we first get our lesbian vampire trope, which yes. is so good. Yes. Um, but again, it's still that sexy aristocrat preying on the English people, particularly the English young ladies, and it has like kind of a surprisingly. Maybe not sympathetic, but at least like light, ambiguous view of homosexuality. Sure. Like it's not necessarily tied up with the devilishness of. Yeah. Or sin. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's surprisingly. Chill. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. I don't know. Vampires have always been for the gays. It's just it's just how yeah. it is. Well, you know, it's like it, it's like it's the monster. Yeah. Right. You know, and like it's the dark desire. Yeah. It's the repressing of the passion. And it's like the, you know, being being made into a monster yeah and like being only being able to like see yourself in the monster right and, like identifying with the monster and the idea of like the and monster sympathizing with the monster the monster being able to perhaps pass mm-hmm. and like yeah. we we're talking about how he has that accent that outs him as yeah. the bella lugosi dracula yeah but like the passing and then also just sort of like yeah seeing the beauty and what others find horrific mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah vampires are for the gays yeah but yeah bram stoker probably took a lot from carmilla like there are some pretty notable similarities mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, only 20-ish years after that, we actually get Dracula coming out. Yeah, it's um, a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. He also had a short story, though it didn't get published until after his de- death, uh. called Dracula's Guest, uh. which was maybe meant to be like kind of like a prologue or beginning chapter. Mm. But um, that's neither here nor there, though it does have a connection to Carmilla because it takes place in like the same place that Carmilla is supposed to be from. Uh, in Transylvania? No, in it's a different place. Oh, okay. It's, I don't remember. But then, yeah, Dracula himself takes place in Transylvania. So Bram Stoker sets up his own sort of area. And it honestly was like an instant hit. It had a lot of popularity. It was well received by critics. People loved Dracula. <laughs> I think it, it especially 
came over it was especially well liked because it sort of like combined this like sensational material and this like foreign scenery with like these more domestic affairs and these landmarks of England so yeah. you've got to be kind of like woo scary creepy sensational yeah. but also have like that comfort of home but also this scary things coming to home so it was like really scary mm-hmm. and like yeah people were like this is too scary this is really frightening <laughs> and yeah and he really sort of defined the vampire in a lot of ways we talk about how bella lugosi's dracula is like the dracula the vampire vampire yeah and like stoker did a lot of the vampire tropes other than what we've already talked about um carmilla was the first one to transform but she transformed Uh, into cat uh, in a way that was a lot more like kind of associated with witchcraft witch yeah whereas Um, stoker's the first one to be like nah man bats 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 vampires bats let's do it it's a thing now Yeah. yeah Yeah, there was a little bit of bat stuff in Varney, but he didn't transform into one. Oh, okay. So it really was Bram Stoker is like, nah, Dracula turns into a bat. bat. He also turns and into a wolf. sometimes a wolf. Yeah. yeah. And also sometimes like a mist or a fog, but, yeah. you know, you know don't worry about that. And and he's the one who has like those those weaknesses to like garlic and like running water and crucifixes. He like really popularizes all of that. Right. There's some thought like, like he took some of it from other folklore, but maybe, but kind of made it his own. Mm-hmm. Or some people say didn't understand the folklore or like kind of misunderstood it you know like there's the stuff with um the like not having a reflection yes there is some like that is a bram stoker original okay yeah so is the crucifix yeah yeah in fact he even intended vampires to be like impossible to capture if you like tried to paint their portrait or like Mm. take a picture of them Mm. because this was early photography Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and so like None of that made it into the novel, but he had thoughts about it. And there are, like, folklore traditions that state that silver is, like, this pure metal and therefore can have the capacity for repelling evil, Mm -hmm. which is why silver and, like, werewolves is, like, a thing. Right, yeah. You know? And there's also this idea that um, mirrors show, like, a part of one's soul. Mm Mm-hmm. And therefore, vampires who have no souls are either afraid of mirrors because they don't want to look into it and see that they don't have a soul or won't show up at all, maybe. Yeah. So it's like unclear. So like there was some little stuff that maybe he like took and then like really amped it up and it like became like, yeah, no, vampires don't have a reflection. Hmm. And I also think it's another possible Oscar Wilde thing because Hmm. if they also didn't show up in like paintings with the picture of Dorian Gray and the idea of like the evilness showing up in the reflection, the painting, the representation, it's Mm -hmm. like... Like, Stoker was very much aware of Oscar Wilde, so, like, that's also yeah. a possibility. Yeah. Um, and also, just in terms of other things that maybe he just didn't understand um, <laughs> in Romanian folklore, yeah. it's, like, debated and probably not true that Dracula draws inspiration from Vlad the Impaler. Right, like... It, from what I understand, it's like in name only. And well, see, that's the funny thing. Yeah. Is that he got the name Dracula. Yeah. From a book of like Romanian phrases or whatever. Mm. where And he thought Dracula meant like the devil. Oh, OK. So like it wasn't even there. Are no, there's he took extensive notes on like his folklore huh. research and like his research into Transylvanian history and stuff. Huh. Vlad the Impaler does not show up really. There's a few references in the novel where it's like, oh, yes, he may have been this guy who was, like, betrayed by his brother in a way that, like, implies it could be Vlad III. But, like, eh, it's unclear. And also, it's like, he has a bunch of, it seems more likely that Stoker just took random little bits from history and was like, yeah, we'll just throw that in there to make it more Eastern European exotic. (laughs) But, like, we don't even know if he knew that he was, like, Vlad Dracula, you know, like, that that was his sobriquet. Well, and of course, he's, like, you know, he's putting his own stuff in it because he's like, a, you know, 
an Irishman yeah at the end of the 19th century and like yeah he's got like his own stuff going on you know and like he's of course writers always put yeah something of themselves into what they're writing and also I think he was careful to like not necessarily make it a specific historic figure I don't think he wanted it to be a specific historic Mm -hmm, figure mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know whereas now we're like no it's Vlad the Impaler because because somebody came up with that theory that that's what Bram Stoker was going for but it's like not necessarily yeah I feel like they're too different yeah, yeah, yeah. I did actually find somebody else suggested that there is a little bit of inspiration in Irish folklore for Dracula, hmm. which I was not familiar with. Hmm. Just as an aside, there's this legend of Avarta, hmm. which okay. was first collected in 1870, but obviously since it's folklore, it would have been going around right. before then. Way but before. it was definitely around in Bram Stoker's time. Mm-hmm. We have no evidence that Bram Stoker like had any awareness of this, let alone used it, other than just being Irish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is like depending on the version, Avarta is an undead tyrant that feeds on the blood of his people. Oh, very Dracula. Wow. And yeah. he is eventually slain by a sword made of yew wood. You. Ooh, okay. Yeah, which uh, for more on you, listen to our last episode of Midsommar, <laughs> but also a wooden stake. And oh, then yeah, like yeah. buried face downwards, just like you often did with vampires yeah, yeah. in Eastern European lore. So, um so where does the uh you know you you ticked all the boxes of like what i understand about vampires like where they come from like only coming out at night right yeah uh the possibility of shape-shifting into a bat maybe a wolf uh yeah. no reflection right yeah a lot of that's bram stoker right uh, the crucifix is, yeah it was bram stoker the dislike of garlic slash wolfsbane right mm-hmm. like the dif- uh, like the the super strength and like difficulty how difficult it is to kill a vampire and like the idea of the wooden stake through the heart right um also i think you taught me the new one about like vampires not supposed to be able to cross running water yeah that's very interesting and that's a bram stoker thing yeah so my understanding with the running water because that also does show up in bram stoker's dracula is that it's another one of those things that like kind of has origins in folklore but that he really solidified as Mm. like a vampire thing because it is this idea again that probably going back to like diseases and stuff that running water is like safer it's pure right yeah so again it's that like it hasn't been standing yeah yeah, 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 yeah. so again you have that sort of like the antithesis of the drac of the vampire mm-hmm. yeah as this thing that is pure and also an idea of like because there's also the lore of vampires needing to stay close to their home or have their home soil yeah 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 and because running water was often used to like as like natural borders between areas right yeah that yeah. it could just be about vampires having to stay in their natural in, or areas in like a weird rock paper scissors version of like soil running water and something else <laughs> we're gonna figure it out and uh, that's gonna be our new game a ship <laughs> yeah a ship uh you know the soil would succumb to the running water unless it's on the ship and the, yeah. the ship would overcome the, the running, running water. water yeah yeah and then I was also, yeah, wondering about, because one of the more interesting pieces of vampire lore I've always thought was the, like, the uh, requiring an invitation yeah. to, to enter a place or cross a, cross a threshold, which is really interesting and, like, pro-consent, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's that meme that's like, oh, vampires can't enter a house without being invited first? Neither can I. I'm polite and have social anxiety. <laughs> Yeah, but no, that's an interesting one because that is not a Bram Stoker thing. Oh no, Dracula does not need to be invited no. in. Like he comes in through windows. Definitely a thing that comes later and bites women in their sleep. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, there is some earlier folklore that I did see um, that does have things about how often the vampire or whatever that Eastern European or original version of right. undead revenant whatever often does first prey on its family. 
from mm. it's still living family mm-hmm. that'll be like somebody will come knocking on your door and say your name and it'll sound like the voice of somebody who's dead and, and you if will, you answer oh. the door then that's how you die so it's like it might be related to that mm-hmm. i'm not sure and that would have been like an earlier thought but yeah i'm not sure actually perhaps if we do a more recent vampire right. movie that actually includes that i'll do some more research on that and figure out when that first started to become solidified as a vampire yeah, thing how does that come around i always liked that i think of fright night Mm-hmm. yeah i think of buffy the vampire slayer fair enough yeah but yeah it's not a thing in this movie or in this novel yeah i, d- I did notice that yeah he's just yeah. like he's or just letting of- himself in anywhere and then but then i was wondering i was like was he once invited into the home at like once yeah like you ask once and then it's okay yeah, forever because right. he definitely does get invited into dr stewart's house because he makes like a social call which is a really easy way to get invited in That's if you're true. just like i'm a i'm a count who just moved in next door <laughs> let's have tea <laughs> i bought the dilapidated abbey yeah. yeah then don't worry if i'm now turned into mist and come through your daughter's window yeah don't worry about it <laughs> So that's basically everything that goes into the, like, Western vampire. Right. And how we understand the vampire. The one thing we didn't touch on. Oh, I touched on it a little bit when I mentioned Carmilla, because that's definitely the lesbian vampire trope. Very much, But yeah. I think it's worth noting that, um, you know, if the vampire of John Polidori is Lord Byron-based, then that makes it very bisexual. Super and bisexual. And the Dracula novel itself has a lot of homoeroticism. So I think, finally, moving out of the literary corner, yeah. let's talk about the gay shit. The gay shit, yeah. That um, also gets its own song, apparently. It should, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we do something involving the gay shit every episode. Yeah, it's a bit the brand. Um, so, yeah, I was actually thinking about this uh, because, you know, I was kind of thinking about, you know, there's quite a bit of, like, queer reading of, of Dracula. And to me, Dracula is, like, the OG psycho-bisexual. Yeah, he's definitely interesting. Yeah. I'm going to try very hard not to talk about the novel too much and really focus on the movie. Yeah. Where it is all very much focused on Renfield and Dracula's relationship. But I think something that's interesting about the novel Mm -hmm. is that there's a lot of like kind of bisexual and gay energy throughout the book, Mm -hmm. not just with Dracula. Like, yes, Dracula has this like weird fascination with Harker, but also with Mina. Yeah. You know, and so there is that bisexual energy. But there's also just like... Dr. Stewart has a bit of a mutual crush on Mina and Jonathan, too. And, like, Quincy Morris's whole thing. Like, <laughs> Mina and Lucy have an energy. Like, there's just a lot of gay energy going on. Right, yeah. And, of course, the possibility of Bram Stoker himself being repressed mm. queer person. Yeah. It's so hard to say. Yeah. yeah. But there is, yeah. yeah. There's definitely a reading of it. And there's definitely a reading of the novel having coming out like right after the Oscar Wilde trials and Oscar Wilde's arrest, that that being an influence for it. Yeah. And Dracula himself being influenced by like the gay person needing to live in the dark, not being able to have servants because they might out them, you know, like all of these things about living in the shadows that is like very resonant for queer people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we already talked a little bit about like the several up close shots of Bela Lugosi's face with like the spotlight on his eyes. Right. Yeah. Which like to me is him working to kind of like dazzle his victims, you know. Yeah. Uh, Which he does to both men and women. Yeah. Right. He really does. Um, So, you know, and also I just couldn't help but feel like, you know, every time he kind of goes in to like envelop somebody with his very dramatic robe. Yes. To To go in for that bite. To go in for the bite, which we never get to see 
yeah. a bite. Yeah. Right? They're very careful to not show us things. We don't see the bites and we don't see any of the deaths, including Dracula's death. That's true. Yeah. And I think that's a, a production code thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the way that he sort of envelops that woman selling flowers, it's like, if you watch it, it almost looks like he's sort of embracing her. Yes. But it's an attack, right? And it, it's just interesting that it, Dracula in general, like, without, like, the way Bella Lugosi plays him as, like, not an obvious predator, right? More yes. Of a, um, stealth. Uh, yeah, like a, a stealthy, you know, hiding in plain sight predator, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Which, he does walk that line yeah. between, like, sexual arousal and, like, the terror arousal yeah that comes with like not knowing if something is an embrace or an attack yeah oh i definitely saw that too and like when renfield first sees dracula in the castle where renfield's sort of having this moment of like kind of fear because he's like in this weird castle and have these weird encounters with the villagers so when he sees dracula there's like this moment of like relief but also still kind of fear and there's like that fear in the excitement and the excitement in the fear going on and you can just see it on the face of the actor so well which is why people love horror movies yeah you know yeah and then we also don't get to see the bite that ensorcels Renfield no right we don't see it um but again it's like it's alluded to like isn't at at this point Renfield is passed out yeah and lies prone right yes and uh yes of course um uh, in the novel and in the film uh, the three brides or sisters or whoever like kind of start to be like dude, heck yeah dude yeah fresh meat love it and and um, Dracula has is to is like step absolutely in. like not this the one's boy mine. is mine like, shoo 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 and then we don't get to see well we see him lean over and then we get the classic fade to black yes. that you get for sex scenes exactly and then like our next shot is like Redfield on the ship looking like his hair's all a muss and like he's kneeling. gone mad yeah, yeah. And he's like kneeling for Dracula calling him master it becomes mm. this very like I don't know <laughs> I'm just saying so you know this movie is is pre haze code but that doesn't mean that like Universal didn't are, are still have like a pretty strict production code um, that forbid any like overt eroticism. Um, and what this kind of reminds me of is do you remember that episode of Doctor Who where through some Doctor Who magic, yep. uh, the TARDIS becomes am- anthropomorphized? It's one of my favorite episodes. It's a great the episode. Way. Yeah. And it was written by Neil Gaiman. And the TARDIS is just being a TARDIS, right? And is like biting. I like biting. It's like kissing, but there's a winner. Yes. And that's kind of what this made me think of. It's like That's for, such a good pull. Yeah, like for for Dracula, like he's biting he'll bite anybody he'll bite men he'll yeah. bite women and it's like a kiss but he's the winner yeah you know? it's a dominance yeah. thing it's yeah a dominance thing. just yeah. like him meeting renfield from the top of the stairs and yeah. always being the one above and renfield always kneeling yeah. and always saying i'm your slave <laughs> exactly uh so so yeah like and we're kind of talking about how you know lugosi's dracula is not the same as stoker's dracula right um he's he's playing lugosi's dracula is playing off like two pretty big fears for american audience one immigrants right outsiders uh and uh it in general immorality but specifically sexuality right yeah um that like the vampire bite is like an erotic or sexual act you know and not just sexuality but like you know immoral desires and what happens if you give in to those desires like corruption of the innocent which is really what happens to renfield in this movie right just as much as it happens to lucy just as much as it almost happens to mina Uh, maybe more so yeah like the way how much renfield gets a focus on this movie uh, in in this movie and lucy's in like four scenes (laughs) yeah but also in the way that he's sort of singled out as the person who doesn't get to become a bride like i was talking about earlier 
He never gets to be turned into a vampire because it still is different, Mm -hmm. you know? And those are, like, implications that we can't make, but we're going to still imply them. Mm -hmm. And there's that really great line that Renfield has where he's, like, talking about Dracula, and he says that he promised me things not by words, but by doing them. And it's just like, okay, Dracula, acts of service, love language. (laughs) But also, turn him into a vampire. You're promising him things. Either do it or don't. Yeah, Yeah. seriously. Yeah, so um, it's like there's definitely a tension here where there's something happening in their relationship between them, but it can't be the same as the relationship he has with women. Right, yeah. But like, and, we know. And like, that is the source of Renfield's problems in this film. Is yeah. Like, is Dracula, right? Yeah. And like, the rejection of morality and kind of like an acceptance of the, like, the profane, you know? Yeah. And you know, alluding to homosexuality is like part of immorality, right? Yeah. When Dracula shoes his brides away to... Right, know, yeah, because here they himself. are to be heterosexual yes. and he's like, nah, nah, nah. Mine. Gays only here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think it's also significant that Renfield's, you know, quote-unquote redemption is that he's trying to save Mina. Like, he doesn't really care about saving anybody else. Right. But then when it's Mina, who's this like young woman who's about to be married and this like very pure Mm -hmm. matrimony sort of straight British, good (laughs) upright, you know, romance, the way that romance is supposed to be without like Mina and Jonathan do not have a sexual relationship. No, like no, but they're going to be married and they're going to have, you know, lay back and think of England kind of sex, you know, (laughs) and like, that's what Renville's going to protect. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he's going to be redeemed for. Uh, so I found this great article. The author's name is Monique Jones, and the the title of the article is "Queer Coded: Colon Dracula." <laughs> We've already talked about like the temptation of fear, yeah, and the unknown. All the reasons why the queers love the vampire, yeah, right, and the vampire loves to be queer, yeah. Um, exactly so and we we've already talked about it a little bit but let's dive deep like the scene where renfield pricks his finger right uh, uh is is in, is interestingly played in nosferatu which is a blatant ripoff right yeah. um where nosferatu or count orlock yeah. i think is the character's name like is sort of repulsed by mm. the character pricking his finger but in this one bella lugosi's dracula is like very interested. Yeah. It's like, ooh. Yeah, we get that close up on the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's another really interesting contrast to the novel. I talked Mm -hmm. about this because it's one of my favorite sort of like accidentally comedic parts of the novel where Mm -hmm. Jonathan hurts himself shaving. So Dracula obviously overcome by wanting to have that blood. It sort of starts to go towards Jonathan, but instead just sort of flings his little shaving mirror out the window and it's just like you know bobble of human vanity or something like that and it's just like such a funny part where he's also like very much overcome by this and like needs to move towards this this object of desire in this case it's the blood but it's also very queer because it's this moment of desire between two men yeah and it's like you know, blood is like a life force. Yes. You know. um, so, and it's like sucking his finger ooh. is like really taking it over the top. It really, too. it's quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. That so really like, goes over the top with so, it. Yeah, when Renf- like Renfield, you slut. <laughs> yeah, Renfield pricks his finger, and like Dracula becomes immediately taken by the side of the blood. But then, in the same shot of the finger, you know, mm-hmm. with the blood, the crucifix falls into the shot, which like yes. repels Dracula. Right? Yes. Um. So Renfield is not aware of any of this, right? Mm-hmm. Like he didn't see. Dracula's reaction to the blood or the crucifix he just thinks that Dracula is like concerned you yeah. know and so he like reassures him he's like yeah it's just a cut from a paper clip you know while he like you know sucks his finger and like smiles like yeah don't worry about it you know and <laughs> you coquette yeah he doesn't get it yet um so what 
Monique Jones says is uh, these scenes, especially the last one involving Renfield's fainting, right, can be interpreted as homosexual lust and longing. Mm -hmm. Renfield unknowingly teases Dracula by sucking his bloody finger. Yes. This, coupled with the crucifix, makes Renfield an immediate object of Dracula's desire because Renfield has now become an object that Dracula can't have. Mm -hmm. Uh, When Dracula finally gets to the unconscious Renfield, Dracula fulfills his carnal desires. Uh, another reading of the scene also that, that Monique Jones brings up, which I think is, is important. Uh, another reading of the scene could also be like um, a rape scene. Yeah. Uh, or just like kind of like the deflowering of a virtuous person. Like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, again, corruption of the innocent. Yeah. Kind of thing. That isn't um, just thinking of some other like Eastern European lore about vampires. Another way that was said to detect vampires mm-hmm. was to send a virgin man, a virgin boy perhaps on like a stallion um, into the cemetery and like they would be able to like they would like shy away from the vampire because of that like corrupting influence Mm. so like that's that's like an old idea oh wow okay yeah and it's yeah it's interesting and then thinking of the novel it's interesting that again that sort of like sense of like violation of rape we get that a lot in mina's description of being preyed upon Mm -hmm. by dracula well and dracula does that in the film like he just shows up yeah in mina and lucy's bedrooms yeah he does like that's definitely a vibe of it yeah and then but then to think of the gay sort of the homoerotic part of it yeah it's implied but never actually shown if dracula feeds on harker when he has him in his castle Mm -hmm. it's heavily implied Mm. but we don't know it yeah and we're getting this from harker's perspective so we don't know if he just doesn't write it down doesn't want us to know about it or doesn't remember it or what and i don't know and it's it's pretty juicy to have it with renfield where we actually see it about to happen yeah and like we know okay this is a thing that is happening and then to that be what you know quote unquote corrupts Renfield yeah it's just and what would this be around the time when was homosexuality being deemed like a mental illness oh definitely at this time yeah Yeah. this would be this time period oh yeah yeah, yeah. um I think it gets taken out of the DSM as a mental illness and like I want to say the early 70s yeah way too late late. yeah I I just wasn't sure if it was because there were other things of it just being like sinful and stuff before it became like a mental illness. Yeah. But it, it would have been yeah. considered a mental illness by the 30s. Certainly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 It is really interesting to kind of see this. Uh, you know, uh, what really gets me is how non-discriminatory Drac- Dracula yeah. is. Right. He'll bite Renfield. He'll bite Lucy. He'll yeah. like try and dazzle Van Helsing. You know, like. Yeah. Um, yeah. We get that depraved bisexual. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah. he's just not. The vampire is right for that. Yeah. He's, and it's, yeah. I mean, I feel like in a lot of modern day vampires, they just actually now because they want it to be less like problematic or whatever of it being like this immoral anything goes sort sure, of thing yeah. where it becomes more like well i mean when you're alive this long yeah who cares it, yeah you, you just you try whatever you really you know moral <laughs> relativism for you sure. know that it's just Absolutely. like who cares about gender when you've been alive for hundreds of yeah. years like come on it's a social construct we know this yeah they've done it all you know yeah. and yeah really you know probably living through at least one century, if not several, yeah. you know, like you've seen enough shit that you're like, yeah, none of this matters. <laughs> none of this matters. <laughs> um, Society is fake. <laughs> are you ready to play a game? Yeah. Now Let's that we've it. talked a little bit about modern vampires, because I believe you have some quotes. I got three from more modern vampires. Yes, I do. I have some quotes from the sort of vampire stories that I was just talking about. Oh, lovely. Okay. And we're going to quiz each other to see if we can guess. Right. Which vampire said this? <laughs> uh, okay, so... Do we want to switch off? How do we want to do this? 
let's switch off. That sounds good. Okay. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with this one for you. Mm-hmm. Which pop culture vampire said this? For a hundred years, I offered ugly death to everyone I met, and I did it with a song in my heart. <sighs> I could see this being a lot of vampires. Uh, is there a way we could narrow it down for you? Is this a TV vampire? It's a TV vampire. Okay. I'm going to go I with... I feel like really significantly narrows it down, but... I, I'm going to go with Angel from Buffy. Oh, you're so right. Ding, ding, uh, ding, ding, ding. That was my first Angel. That was right. Yeah, that was my first It's thought. funny because I went through Spike quotes first. Oh, yeah. It's like Spike's a vampire, you know, famous vampire, yeah. you know, but like, I don't know, nothing... Yeah. That was like... A lot of it, like, had the spike attitude yeah. on it. It's like, no, but I want to, like, yeah. trick like, you. Out yeah, out for yeah, a yeah, walk, yeah. bitch. <laughs> That's my favorite spike quote. That one came up a long time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I've got one for you. Okay. Um, to narrow it down for you, this will be one of the, like, short stories or novels that I mentioned in my literary okay. corner. Okay. You will think me cruel, very selfish, but love is always selfish. The more ardent, the more selfish. How jealous I am, you cannot know. You must come with me, loving me to death, or else hate me and still come with me, and hating me through death and after. Hmm. I'm going to guess Carmilla. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that's Carmilla. We're so good at this game. We are good at this. Okay. Uh, Yeah, and talk about that lesbian desire and that urge to merge. She's like, let's you halt to death. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's another TV vampire Okay, for you. Okay. Like a moth to a flame, she always returns to me. Oh, fuck. That sounds so familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Like a moth to a flame, she always returns to me. It's another TV vampire. Okay. I'm going to... Deep cut. I think you gave me the theme song to the show. I was on... going to say True Blood. Yes. In is, which yeah. case, yeah, because yeah. that tracks with what I was going to say with True Blood. But is that... Is that Bill? It's Bill. Is yeah. it Bill? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was my vibe, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. That's Bill. Okay. Here's one for you. Mm-hmm. Most of mine are actually love related. And I feel like a lot of yours are love related. They are. Yeah. yeah it's Vampires stupid. in love, man. I know. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. It's well, sexy. Well, no, I thought that this was more of a 21st century thing. Because yeah. all of my quotes are from the 21st century. But no. I guess maybe not. Vampires have always been sexy. I guess. Well, no. As I just stated, they've been sexy since around the 1800s <laughs> in England. <laughs> so here's another 1800s in England quote. Okay. <laughs> yes, I too can love. You yourselves can tell it from the past. Is it not so? That's Dracula. That is definitely Dracula. That's Dracula yeah, that is yeah. Dracula talking to the sisters. Because I, I learned that when I was looking yeah. more into that scene. It's like, well, here's what it says in the yeah. in the novel, right? Because he says that to his bride, yeah, his quote unquote sisters, sisters brides, yeah. yeah, perhaps implying that he loved them in the past. But is another great kind of homoerotic scene because it's when he's it's the scene where he's shooing them away from Harker. Yes, and they're mad at him and they're like, "You don't know what love is." And yeah. he's like, "Yes, I do." And he's like, over Harker while he's saying it, and it's just like, "Okay, gay boy." <laughs> Uh, all right, you ready for my last yeah, one? Yeah. Okay, it's a it's a quickie. You're intoxicated yes. by my very presence. <laughs> I was like, "Where's Edward calling? Where's Edward calling? Where's Edward calling?" Um, <laughs> okay, here's my last one for you, which may be by process of elimination. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, There's only this so is many. actually not him saying. Yeah, I it. probably should have led with Edward Cullen. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to lead with Angel. Sorry. Um, this is not a vampire saying something, but it's a description of him. In his carriage, and amidst the various wild and rich scenes of nature, he was always the same. His eye spoke less than his lip, and though Ari was near the object of his curiosity, he obtained no greater gratification from it than the constant excitement of vainly wishing to break that mystery, which to his exalted imagination began to assume the appearance of something supernatural. Hmm. Is that the... What's it called? (laughs) Fucking... The ridiculous name. 
Oh, Varney? Varney. No. I was going to say Artie. Artie the vampire. <laughs> no, no, this is Varney actually... the vampire? This is no. the Polidari one. Oh, okay. This is... I cut out the name, which is actually supposed to be in there, which is Lord Ruthven, because oh, I was okay. afraid you would remember it I, yeah, yeah, yeah. as the Byron yeah. character. Yes, but I, I like that in combination with the Edward Quallen quote, yeah. because it's very much the that opening line about like... I became certain of three things. Yes. Edward was a vampire. vampire. Edward loved me. Edward, I, I don't was remember. I love with him. him. Yeah. Yes, like that irrevocably <laughs> bl- some yeah. crazy adjective. Yeah. This is like <laughs> the fucking 1800s version of him, of this Aubrey fella Googling, what is a vampire? <laughs> <laughs> Something supernatural is happening here. I just don't know what. I'm just going to stare at this guy. <laughs> it's probably a vampire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. That was fun. We are pretty good at that game. We're pretty good at that game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, this has been Deep Thoughts Shallow Plots. Thank you for, for joining us. Thank you as always to our sound guy, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Uh, we have an Instagram at Deep, Deep Thoughts Shallow, Shallow Plots. Plots. Yeah, it's we spelt, pretty kicking. Spelt out the whole thing. Um, Join us next time for the conclusion to our summer series yes. where we will be watching I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah, and have you seen that before? I haven't. I did when I was like 18 years old. Yeah. So it's, it's I'm been excited a to get back into the uh, sort of slasher. Oh yes, love it. Yeah, stuff. ready to go back to the to um, our home turf. Yeah, definitely. Where I we feel very comfortable. I feel like there's an archetypes in our future for sure. Yeah. Um, if you could be so kind, feel free to leave yeah. us a review on your podcaster of choice. We would really appreciate it. Tell your friends about us. And until next time, don't forget. <laughs> ah, children of the night! <laughs> what beautiful music they make. <laughs>